0: blaze a a blaze review a yeah that's hot thats heat that's hot that's heat going pull up a seat it's some hot stuff coming your way fam, what you got to say blaze review a blaze blaze a a blaze review
1: a blaze so this is our podcast the blaze cast it's a part of uh, my small brand blaze review that we do. Uh, just interviewing athletes, kind of talking to them, they tell their stories and stuff. So, uh, your name is some a name I've heard for you know quite some time. Our parents have worked together, so uh, you're Preston Brown, former NFL linebacker. So, um, just kind of introduce yourself and what you do.
2: Ah, uh, yeah, my name's Preston Brown. I'm from Cincinnati, Ohio. Went to Northwest High School, then went to University of Louisville in 2010. Um graduated from there in 2013, then got drafted in 2014 in the third round by the Buffalo Bills. Played there four years and then signed with Cincinnati. And I was there for a year. And then the second year I got cut week nine or week 10. I can't remember. And then after I got cut from there, I went to Oakland for three weeks. Then I got cut from Oakland and then I went to Jacksonville. I got I got away from there and got claimed by Jacksonville. So I spent the last three weeks in Jacksonville and that's when I knew I didn't want to play no more. <laughs> man,
1: nah, I feel that. I was looking, I was looking up some of your stuff and I was like, man, he's been I was like, he's been all over the place. But I was like, that's kind of mm-hmm. that's kind of cool though, you know, to see those different places like from Buffalo to Oakland to Jacksonville. I mean, that's that's pretty incredible. Uh yeah,
2: it's it's a, a big range of people being in. Orchard Park, New York, where it's just a whole bunch of quiet people, just high and by kind of guys, then going to Oakland, where you can't leave your car outside, or it might get get stolen, or everything could be out your car. So it's definitely the both worlds. So it was cool being able to see all the different personalities in different cities.
1: I could imagine, and you know, kind of starting from the beginning of you know everything you've been through as far as football. I've always been curious, what's the recruiting process like when you're in high school going to college? I haven't really talked to a lot of guys who are in that stage, and I don't really know a lot now who are in that stage because I'm kind of, you know, five, six years removed. What was it like for you, and, like, when did you decide Louisville was the place for you?
2: Um, recruiting was was kind of cool. I always wanted to go to the University of Miami in Florida, but I said a takedown area, and I heard nothing back from them, so <laughs> that was the end of that. But recruiting was cool. I took I took a visit to Minnesota, Cincinnati, and Louisville. And I took an unofficial to Michigan, I think. Okay. So I I went around a little bit. And I had UCLA and Georgia Tech wanted me to take a visit. But I was too scared. Those were big cities. I was the Cincinnati homebody. (laughs) So I wanted to stay somewhere within the the area. So uh, I was committed to Cincinnati after my sophomore year when Brian Kelly was there. So I was committed to Brian Kelly, and then Brian Kelly left and went to Notre Dame. So then Charlie Strong went to Louisville after they beat Cincinnati in a Sugar Bowl game. They uh, Tim Tebow's last game, he played there. Then Coach Strong came down to Louisville and started recruiting everybody who was on the Cincinnati's uh, recruitment list. So he ended up taking a couple guys for, who were already committed from Cincinnati. So it was me and Dominique Brown from Wynn Woods. Uh, we were both committed to Cincinnati being Cincinnati guys, but then he ended up flipping us and we both went down to Louisville after we took a couple of visits and really felt like a, like it was like parents, you know, instead of just coaches, we had some people who actually helped us become young men.
1: That's a good though. I, I feel like that definitely changes your experience for them or for the, for, you know, you're going to college, but there's two guys actually that were on your team that I didn't think much of at the time, I guess, but look at them now in their pro careers. I think, They're definitely worth mentioning. So Teddy Bridgewater and Devontae Parker. Mm -hmm. I didn't realize that they were both because I didn't know who Devontae Parker was till maybe maybe a year or two ago. And I looked him up and saw he was on the roster with you. So you're familiar Mm -hmm. with him.
2: Yeah, um, I was there. I think Devontae and Teddy, they both came a year after me. So we were there for three years together. And um, Devontae was always one of my favorite players because I could see it. Soon as he got there on campus the first day, like he was catching passes on people's he heads, just looking like the superstar. I know he can't be. So when I saw him his first days of freshman year, I always tried to make sure he was okay. So if anybody messed with him or tried to hit him hard, I make sure I knocked him out. <laughs> because Bonte, you can tell he has some special talent. And um when Teddy got in there, we definitely the whole the whole city changed basically. Cause we were just a we were just a, a decent team, you know, just average, go to a bowl game, whatever my first year. But When Teddy got in there and started to play, it was just a whole different energy because the way he carried himself. He knew he was going to be a first round pick. He knew he was going to do this. So it made everybody else believe that we could do it, too.
1: And I'm wondering, too, you know, you said Teddy kind of set the tone. It feels like when Lamar Jackson got there, did he kind of keep keep that going? Like what Teddy had already, you know, established kind of like as far as like a culture and an energy. Did Lamar kind of keep that going once he got there or was Teddy just like kind of one of a kind?
2: Um, I wasn't there with Lamar. He got there the year right after I left. Okay, so I he was there with Bobby Petrino, so I didn't even have any of the same coaches or anything. But um, I know we have always had pretty good quarterbacks coming from the University of Louisville. Started with Johnny United and all those guys. So we had some guys who do very good in college, but we didn't really have people who really stand out in the league. Besides Johnny Unitas, really, we had some guys who do great in college, but. Teddy and Lamar really showed that you can do it in college and the pro. So hopefully they can keep that tradition up, getting good quarterbacks and really black quarterbacks down there, which has been cool.
1: Yeah, I was gonna say that's definitely important. So I'll ask you, what was your most memorable college game?
2: Oh, the most memorable college game, probably senior night versus uh who we play, Memphis. Um, because that was the the morning of that game, my dad called me and told me my grandpa had passed away. And that was the game that he really wanted to come to because he hadn't been to like a college game. I don't think he went to maybe one or two, but not many college games because he lived in Cincinnati. So he was supposed to come to that one. And I ended up scoring a touchdown the day of senior day. So it oh, was wow. really a big excitement. My dad crying and snot bubbles all in the crowd. But it, it was really fun just having that special moment because I know he was there watching.
1: Wow, that that is pretty crazy, though. Mm-hmm. That's pretty <laughs> impressive. When did you? So when did you know you were ready to go to the next level and play in the pros? Like, what was there a certain game or just a certain moment, certain conversation you had with maybe your family? When when did it click for you?
2: Um, I knew I could play in the league once we played Florida in the Sugar Bowl uh, in 2013. Uh, It was right after New Year's down in New Orleans. We ended up beating them. They were like number three, I think, in the country. Wow. And they had a lot of guys who were going to the league. So I'm like, if I do good this game, I know I should be all right against anybody else. So we ended up having a good a team of tackles, and then we ended up winning. And I think Teddy won the player of the game. And after that game, I knew I could make it, but that was after junior year. And everybody's like, oh, you could leave early and all this stuff. But I wanted to graduate. So... I ended up adding more courses, more stuff so I could graduate in December so then I could train for the draft that following year without any distractions.
1: Wow. That, that's pretty, pretty – so they were number – so Florida was number three when you guys beat them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What were you guys?
2: Oh, we were – we were in the 20s. We were – we dropped. If you lose one or two games in the Big East, you'll be, like, number five and you'll drop. <laughs> and <six. laughs> Dude, they don't play that's that.
1: Cool. That's impressive. That is, that yeah, is impressive. It was fun, though. And so, you know, the next transition from college to pro, I'm just always I've always wondered, what is the routine? Like, how much does it switch? So like you're eating, you're working out, just your overall mindset. How much did that change going
2: into the pros? Uh, Yeah, it was a lot easier for me because coming into Louisville, it was it was a big difference from high school because high school, you really don't do that much. But in college, I mean, they can have you. We were there at five in the morning on the track and then you go to 6.30 to the weight room, and then you go in the indoor and wrestle each other and do sprints, and then you got to go to class at 8. So it's like, it was so much, so fast that it was like, when I got to the league, it was like a breath of fresh air. Like, I don't have no class to go to. During the off, during this time right now, what they're doing, like OTAs and minicamp, you're really done at 12 p.m. You're only there from like 8 to 12. So all you do is work out and go home, and you don't have to worry about anything else. But in college, I mean, it's just so many distractions, so much to do, so many more responsibilities. But when you're professional, really, you got to do it on your own. They'll give you a couple hours, and then you have to find your own time to become the best player you can.
1: Yeah, and you were talking about, you know, a lot of the different places you've been. So uh, through high school, college, mainly like the Cincinnati, Kentucky area, what was it like going up to a place like Buffalo? Like, was it a culture shock to you? Like, how different was it from Ohio and Kentucky?
2: Uh, it wasn't bad. I mean, it was just, I mean, it's not me, black people. I saw maybe a couple of black people if you go downtown or to the mall. So it was really like being out in Cincinnati. In some parts or being in Kentucky where you just walk around. Nobody was racist or anything like that. It was just a quiet town. You just say hi, people smile at you and people go on with their day. So it was pretty cool being in Buffalo because there wasn't many distractions. It's not like I got drafted to Miami or somewhere where everybody's going out there's always these parties it was just football you go home I just drove to my apartment which is like maybe two minutes from the facility so every day I'm I still got no miles in my cars because I wasn't going anywhere so it was pretty nice to just really just sit there and focus
1: yeah that must be nice and so I was actually looking at your rookie stats and those are really impressive so 109 combined tackles 66 solo one interception, two deflections and uh, your 109 tackles actually led the Bills defense in 2014. So what were your like overall thoughts kind of, you know, on your rookie season? Like when you reflected on it when the year, once the year was over.
2: Yeah, it it was fun. Um, Just really getting to learn because I didn't say much to a lot of the guys. I didn't really say much in games because I was a a really big trash talker in college and (laughs) later on in the league, but for a rookie year I really didn't didn't say much you know I just sat back really observed some of the older players and found out what I liked what they did and what I didn't like and kind of try to base my career off what I was seeing so it was it was really fun because I had no expectations I was drafted in the third round where we have a lot of linebackers who had played and had a lot of success which a lot of people started getting hurt so I got an opportunity to play and then just took it from there so it was really fun Getting to it, get, being able to learn from Brandon Spikes, who was a second round pick, um, Keith Rivers, who was a first round pick to the Bengals, uh, and then Kiko Alonzo, he was a second round pick. So it was just so many big names and talent in the room that I got to learn from. So it was just a lot of fun.
1: So you were a trash talker.
2: Oh, yeah, too. <laughs> it, it started, uh, I think high school basketball is where I really. Started to tap in, and I oh, one game I didn't talk as much trash in high school basketball was when we played Hughes because Hughes was ready to fight, so I had to. I didn't want to. <laughs> I didn't want to fight nobody because you know, they kick you out everything if you fight in basketball. So it was pretty fun though. My principal used to tell me every game, just relax, relax. I <laughs> can hear you, and it's like I don't care. Relax, relax. Uh,
1: honestly, when I was probably in high school, I was the same way. I would I. Be cussing at people and everything. My parents would be like, you know, you gotta watch that. You might have somebody here to recruit yeah. you for basketball. I'm like, I don't care. That's all I think about right now. So <laughs> <Exactly. laughs> yeah. So I'm curious. Uh, who else? Like, were there any other like big trash talkers that you ever like went up against as, as far as playing? I'm sure I know there's probably a lot of trash talk down there, but who were some of the other guys who really like got under your skin or just made guys uncomfortable? Uh, the
2: biggest trash talkers that I play is Steve Smith. When he was at Baltimore. Oh, okay. Because I didn't. I don't say people like if you legends and stuff like that. I'm not gonna say nothing to you. So right. I didn't say nothing to guys like that. <laughs> I only mess with people who I felt like I was on the same level. Then I'll mess with you. But if you a superstar and we losing, I ain't gonna say nothing. But if we winning, then I'll I'll say something. You know. But I wasn't messing with him. But I guess he had. I guess I hit him a couple times in the game, and then he. uh he had uh when Deion Sanders was doing that segment, if you if you ball, I call. So he would call everybody who who had a good game and he called Steve Smith and he said something about me, about how I wasn't hitting him hard. Something, something I don't remember exactly what he said. I'm sure my dad would know more, but Steve Smith was saying something after the game. Yeah. But I didn't hear him say nothing during the game. Not to that's, me at least.
1: <laughs> that's still kind of that's the, that's impressive. That's something you can talk about. I mean, Steve Smith, I mean that's just wow. Yeah, because he's he's a
2: known trash talker, and I was I was getting up there on my trash talk. I was I was pretty bad.
1: I still see highlights of he, of, of him trash talking. People roll him on ESPN all the time and stuff, and I'm like, man, this dude's been off the game, and they still roll us highlights for trash talk. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, man, so I would ask you, you know, your career with the Bengals. What did it mean for you to be a kid from Cincinnati? Uh, you go away for a little bit and then come back. Like, what was that feel like for you? Were you happy to come back? Uh, did you feel like maybe you could be a hometown hero? What what did you feel?
2: Uh, yeah, it was great. I was excited because, I mean, Marvin Lewis got there in like oh three, oh four. I mean, back when I was a little kid. So it was like I was playing for my head coach in a sense. You know, it felt like I was coming home to play for the guy I've always seen. And then Andy and AJ and all those guys, they got there right when I was like going to college. So they were still, I was still a fan of those guys. So. To be able to be in the locker room and to Andy to follow me on Instagram, like all the little stuff like that is a big deal to me because I am still just a Cincinnati kid who can say he got to hang out with those guys, got to be in the trainer room with AJ Green, or got to be over there with this guy with Geno Atkins and Carlos Dunlap. It was it was exciting to be around those guys that I had had watched and admired from from afar. So to be on the team was something that was I can't replace because it was just exciting to be on there with Coach Lewis because that's the guy I always wanted to
1: play for. It's actually funny you say that because um, when I was at work one time, we rolled a segment um, about AJ Green talking about how all these like younger people are coming up to him now. Like, man, you know, I used to play with you on Madden and this, 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 their teammates with him now. And he mm-hmm. was like, man, it just feels so weird. So you saying that kind of gave me that same feeling of like, you know, you, you watch these guys and then it's like, man, now I'm on the same roster as him.
2: Yeah, that, it, was, it was great. I mean, I was, I was so excited to, to be around those guys every day. And then, like you said, be, I wanted to be the hometown hero, you know, the first game I go out there, I get an interception, everything's great. But what 10 plays later, I roll my ankle and then things are never the same. And that's just how life is, but it was just so fun for that one moment. I felt like the King of Cincinnati, you know, it was, it was just, I I felt it and it felt great to have that feeling.
1: That is amazing. And so the, you did had one, you had one game that I was looking at actually. So your game week two, 2019 season you had 14 tackles against the san francisco 49ers i'm sure i'm sure you remember this what what would it's almost like you just blacked out this game like what what was your mindset going into that game
2: um that game i was just trying to stay on the field because we had yeah. started rotating everybody it started to just rotate all the linebackers and i had never done that before yeah. so i was trying my best to just have some type of production to show i should stay out here but I should have had like I'm not even playing at least 25 tackles that game. I was gonna say that's like, I was, just, like I was I was I was just like it was okay, but the way my mind was because I was just mentally I wasn't there, and it's a good tackle number, but for yeah. me knowing in the game like all the stuff that I could have done, how hesitant I was on a lot of stuff, but like I haven't watched it since the week after we watched it with the coaches. I don't want to see it because. I know I could have had, like, that could have been like a 30-tackle game if I really would have just played instead of just focusing about, oh, they're about to take me out. Oh, I'm about to do this instead of – but I learned a lot from that game because I, I should have just let it go and I would have had a 30-something crazy, but I was just trying to be perfect and trying to be everything precise. What was your most memorable game plan for the Bengals? uh Most memorable game probably would be first the Dolphins, I think like week five in 2019. Because I was, I I had hurt my ankle week one and I was still trying to come back. And it it felt good that game for the first time in a long time. And that's when I started taking all these pills before the game and all the stuff that you hear the horror stories that football players get into, taking all these pills just to play. And that's where I was. Like I had to take all that stuff to go out there. And I was feeling good. I was all right playing. And then I just got hit in the same part of my ankle by one of my teammates. And I that was the—I was just laying on the ground. Like that was the, like the first time I ever laid on the ground after getting hurt. Usually I'll hop off or I just don't like laying there. I don't want nobody to stop the TV and go to commercial <laughs> because I got hit. You know, yeah. I just never felt good doing that. So. It was it was fun. I mean, it was fun knowing that that game is like, okay, this where it really hurt her because I was coming back and then, wow, I just got hit by my own player and then that, and I, I went back in there and I got juked. like, of <laughs> one of the worst moves ever because I'm just out there hopping yeah. with one leg and then somebody came out, bah, bah, and I just <laughs> look like I look so bad. It's just it makes me sad watching how bad I look because now you feel better, but it's like watching that. It's like whoa, that's definitely the most memorable game.
1: So they, like, hit the juke stick on Madden, kind of? Yeah, it was yeah. like he threw, a,
2: he threw a check down. And it was me and him. I was like, it was easy. He just did some uh, little bop-bop. And I yeah. was like, oh. <laughs> <God."> <laughs> I just had no no coordination after
1: that. Man. And and so, you know, looking at the Bengals now, uh, with the roster they have, I mean, they seem like they're accumulating some good talent. Do you see them turning this thing around in the next couple of years? Or, I mean, even this upcoming year with, you know, Joe coming back, do you see them – you know, kind of being somebody that's going to compete over
2: the next couple of years. Uh, I'm not sure they got a lot of good quarterbacks in their division right now. Yeah, but I think once Big Ben leaves, I think it's going to be open for that whole division. I mean, because they got a lot of good young quarterbacks with the Burrow and Lamar and Baker. So once Big Ben and everybody's not scared of Steelers no more, I think that division every year it might be a, it might be, just, it might be somebody new every year, and that's why. With Cincinnati, if they were in like the AFC South or somewhere where it was Jacksonville and Indy, they would be more competitive, I feel. But in that division now where you have young quarterbacks and they are all going to be good at the same time, it's going to be tough for them to get 10, 11 wins out of those divisions. It's going to be a lot of eight, eight, nine and seven. Well, the extra game now, but it's going to be a lot of average years, I think, for now. But I think they got a lot of talent that could push through. You just never know.
1: I actually made the pick probably a few weeks ago. I said, I think the Bengals are going to finish ahead of the Steelers this year. I think the Steelers are going to be last in the division. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know. Like I said, I think their offensive talent they have in the Steelers. I mean, with them losing a couple people, I mean, I just wasn't really sold on them this year. But uh, when the Bengals aren't playing the Browns, I'm going for them. So, yeah, I grew up in a Browns household. But, yeah, yeah, but absolutely. And so, you know, real quick for you, the last thing I have, uh, your foundation, the Preston Brown Foundation, you know, kind of talk about that, what you guys do and uh, how you kind of got that started.
2: Uh, Yeah, it started back in Buffalo. I'm not sure what year might have been 15 or 16, where it was just about getting out of community and trying to help kids reach whatever dream that was, because there's so many every time you go give a speech to kids and stuff, it don't have to be just football. You know, it's like, I want to help these kids reach their dream no matter what it is. So just being out to let them talk and hear their dreams and their goals was basically the biggest process. But now we're focusing on mental wellness and how to make these kids smile every day because there's so many stressors and triggers and, things that they go in throughout the day that they just don't know why it's happening because no one talks to them about it they don't know why they have social anxiety or why they have this about this but there's something that is triggering that emotion in these kids and that's why we just talk and learn on how they're developing or what they need each day because sometimes they just need a text message or somebody wants to play on call of duty or whatever it is just make kids day because there's so many different personalities and different kids out here in the world that I'm just trying to go out there and affect all of them. So we're doing a lot of speeches. We do, we pass out food for the kids. I had four or five camps in Cincinnati, uh, free football camps for the kids. So we're trying to see, uh, we haven't done one in a while because of the, the vaccine and Corona and everything going on, but hopefully we can get back out there and have some more events bigger events with the foundation. Luckily, it's hopefully in Cincinnati. And we partnered up with some schools down in Georgia. So we've been doing a lot of things just trying to help help, help kids with their mental wellness no matter where they are.
1: So it's much bigger than football for you, which is really that's impressive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's
2: really impressive. definitely. Because I, I, used, I used to hate just talking about, oh, I had this many tackles, I did this. But what made me sad that day after this game or what made me happy that day? You know, and that's what we really started to talk about and really get into the emotions instead of just accomplishments.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, last, last question for you real quick, what would be any advice you would have for, you know, kids who, you know, are aspiring to play in the NFL or, you know, just want to, you know, take their game to that next level. What would be your advice to them?
2: Uh, My advice has always been the same really is just do, do something extra, do some extra work. If that's what you really want to do, if you, want to go division one and you have a 2.5 get it up to a 3.0 because that looks better to colleges everybody can get a 2.5 but if you not as fast as the 4-2 guy he's going to get that spot because they do those type of exceptions for those type of people so i feel like everybody goes to practice with their team but not everybody runs sprints afterwards not everyone is going to study hall afterwards to get their grades up and that's where I think we need to talk more about doing the extra things because everybody goes to school. Everybody is in their class. But what are you doing? After, are you talking to the teacher after class? Are you talking to your coach about what you need help? Are you just going home complaining about everything? You need to find out what the issue is and focus on it and then try to get better. And that's where the foundation comes in of finding out those things, because sometimes they don't feel comfortable talking to teachers, talking to principals, talking to parents. So if they tell me I can find a way to help anywhere I can.
1: Right. Yeah. It's always about taking that extra step. Definitely important. Definitely. Definitely. Well, Preston, I thank you for your time, man. Like I said, um, our our parents have known each other forever. And I'm finally glad I got a chance to connect with you, get to meet you and everything else. So uh, it's definitely been awesome. It was definitely great talking to you. Thanks. It
2: was great talking to you too.
1: Yes, sir. You too. And so I'll talk to you later and I'll see you guys next time on the Blazecast.
0: Blaze, a a blaze review, a yeah that's hot that's heat that's hot that's heat going pull up a seat it's some hot stuff coming your way a fam what you got to say blaze review a blaze blaze a a blaze review a
1: blaze 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 so this is our podcast the Blaze Cast it's a part of uh, my small brand Blaze Review that we do. Uh, just interviewing athletes, kind of talking to them, they tell their stories and stuff. So uh, your name is some a name I've heard for you know, quite some time. Our parents have worked together, so uh, you're Preston Brown, former NFL linebacker. so um just kind of introduce yourself and what you do.
2: Uh, yeah, my name's Preston Brown. I'm from Cincinnati, Ohio, went to Northwest High School, then went to University of Louisville in two thousand and ten. Um graduated from there in 2013, then got drafted in 2014 in the third round by the Buffalo Bills, played there four years, and then signed with Cincinnati, and I was there for a year, and then the second year, I got cut week nine or week 10, I can't remember, and then after I got cut from there, I went to Oakland for three weeks. Then I got cut from Oakland and then I went to Jacksonville. I got I got away from there and got claimed by Jacksonville. So I spent the last three weeks in Jacksonville and that's when I knew I didn't want to play no more.
1: <laughs> nah, I feel that. I was looking I was looking up some of your stuff and I was like, man, he's been I was like, he's been all over the place. But I was like, that's kind of that's kind of cool though, you know, to see those different places like from Buffalo to Oakland to Jacksonville. I mean, that's that's pretty incredible though.
2: Yeah, it's it's a, a big range of people being in Orchard Park, New York, where it's just a whole bunch of quiet people, just high and by kind of guys. Then going to Oakland, where you can't leave your car outside, or it might get get stolen, or everything can be out your car. So it's definitely the both worlds. So it was cool being able to see all the different personalities in different cities.
1: I could imagine, and you know, kind of starting from the beginning of you know everything you've been through as far as football. I've always been curious, what's the recruiting process like when you're in high school going to college? I haven't really talked to a lot of guys who are in that stage, and I don't really know a lot now who are in that stage because I'm kind of, you know, five, six years removed. What was it like for you, and, like, when did you decide Louisville
2: was the place for you? Um, recruiting was was kind of cool. I always wanted to go to the University of Miami in Florida, but I, sit, I take down there and I heard nothing back from them, so <laughs> that was the end of that. But recruiting was cool. I took. I took a visit to Minnesota, Cincinnati, and Louisville. And I took an unofficial to Michigan, I think. Okay. So I went around a little bit. And I had UCLA and Georgia Tech wanted me to take a visit. But I was too scared. Those were big cities. I was the Cincinnati homebody. (laughs) So I wanted to stay somewhere within the the area. So uh, I was committed to Cincinnati after my sophomore year when Brian Kelly was there. So I was committed to Brian Kelly, and then Brian Kelly left and went to Notre Dame. So then Charlie Strong went to Louisville after they beat Cincinnati in a Sugar Bowl game. They, uh, Tim Tebow's last game, he played there. Then Coach Strong came down to Louisville and started recruiting everybody who was on the Cincinnati's uh, recruitment list. So he ended up taking a couple guys for, who were already committed from Cincinnati. So it was me and Dominique Brown from Winwood. Uh, We were both committed to Cincinnati being Cincinnati guys, but then he ended up flipping us and we both went down to Louisville after we took a couple of visits and really felt like a, like it was like parents, you know, instead of just coaches, we had some people who actually helped us become young men.
1: That's good though. I I feel like that definitely changes your experience for them or for the, for, you know, you're going to college, but there's two guys actually that were on your team that I didn't think much of at the time, I guess, but look at them now in their pro careers. I think, they're definitely worth mentioning. So Teddy Bridgewater and Devontae Parker. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize that they were both, because I didn't know who Devontae Parker was till maybe maybe a year or two ago. And I looked him up okay. and saw he was on the roster with you. So you're familiar mm-hmm. with him. Yeah,
2: um, I was there. I think Devontae and Teddy, they both came a year after me. Okay. So we were there for three years together. And um, Devontae was always one of my favorite players because I could see it as soon as he got there on campus the first day, like, he was catching passes on people's heads, just looking. Like the superstar, I know he can't be, so when I saw him his first days of freshman year, I always tried to make sure he was okay, so if anybody messed with him or tried to hit him hard, I'd make sure I knocked him out, <laughs> because Vontae, you can tell he has some special talent, and um, when Teddy got in there, we definitely, the whole the whole city changed, basically, because we, yeah. we were just a, a decent team, you know, just average, go to a bowl game, whatever, my first year, but when Teddy got in there and started to play, it was just a whole different energy because of the way he carried himself. He knew he was going to be a first round pick. He knew he was going to do this. So it made everybody else believe that we could do it, too.
1: And I'm wondering, too, you know, you said Teddy kind of set the tone. It feels like when Lamar Jackson got there, did he kind of keep keep that going? Like what Teddy had already, you know, established kind of like as far as like mm-hmm. a culture and an energy. Did Lamar kind of keep that going once he got there or was Teddy just like kind of one of a kind?
2: Um, I wasn't there with Lamar. He got there in a year right after I left. Okay. So he was there with Bobby Petrino. So I didn't even have any of the same coaches or anything, but um, I know we have always had pretty good quarterbacks coming from the university of Louisville started with Johnny United and all those guys. So we had some guys who do very good in college, but we didn't really have people who really stand out in the league besides Johnny United's really, we had some guys who do great in college, but Teddy and Lamar really showed that you can do it in college and the pro. So hopefully they can keep that tradition up, getting good quarterbacks and really black quarterbacks down there, which has been cool.
1: Yeah, I was gonna say that's definitely important. So I'll ask you, what was your most memorable college game?
2: Oh, the most memorable college game, probably senior night versus uh who we play, Memphis. Um, because that was the the morning of that game, my dad called me and told me my grandpa had passed away. And that was the game that he really wanted to come to because he hadn't been to like a college game. I don't think he went to maybe one or two, but not many college games because he lived in Cincinnati. So he was supposed to come to that one. And I ended up scoring a touchdown the day of senior day. So it was really a big excitement. My dad crying and snot bubbles all in the crowd. But it it was really fun just having that special moment because I know he was there watching.
1: Wow. That that is pretty crazy, though. Mm -hmm. That's pretty (laughs) impressive. When did you? So when did you know you were ready to go to the next level and play in the pros? Like, what was there a certain game or just a certain moment, certain conversation you had with maybe your family?
2: When when did it click for you? Um, I knew I could play in the league once we played Florida in the Sugar Bowl uh, in 2013. Uh, it was right after New Year's down in New Orleans. We end up beating them, they were like number three, I think, in the country. Wow. And they had a lot of guys who were going to the league. So I'm like, if I do good this game, I know I should be all right against anybody else. So we ended up having a good I led a team of tackles and then we ended up winning. And I think Teddy won the player of the game. And after that game, I knew I could make it, but that was after junior year. And everybody's like, oh, you can leave early and all this stuff, but I wanted to graduate. So I ended up adding more courses, more stuff so I could graduate in December so then I could train for the draft that following year without any distractions.
1: Wow. That's pretty – so they were number – so Florida was number three when you guys beat them. Yeah. Mm -hmm. What were you guys?
2: Oh, we were – we were in the 20s. We were – we dropped. If you lose one or two games in the Big East, you'll be, like, number five and you'll drop. (laughs) They don't play that. That's
1: (laughs) impressive. That that is impressive. It was fun, though. And so, you know, the next transition from college to pro, I'm just always I've always wondered what is the routine like how much does it switch? So like you're eating, you're working out, just your overall mindset. How much did that change going into the pros?
2: Uh yeah, it was a lot easier for me because coming into Louisville, it was it was a big difference from high school because high school you really don't do that much. But in college, I mean they can have you. We were there at five in the morning on the track. And then you go to 630 to the weight room and then you go in the indoor and wrestle each other and do sprints. And then you got to go to class at eight. So it's like, it was so much, so fast that it was like when I got to the league, it was like a breath of fresh air. Like I don't have no class to go to during the off during this time right now, What they're doing like OTAs and mini camp. You're really done at 12 PM. You're only there from like eight to 12. So all you do is work out and go home and you don't have to worry about anything else. But, In college, I mean, it's just so many distractions, so much to do, so many more responsibilities. But when you're a professional, really, you got to do it on your own. They'll give you a couple hours, and then you have to find your own time to become the best player you can.
1: Yeah, and you were talking about, you know, a lot of the different places you've been. So uh, through high school, college, mainly like the Cincinnati, Kentucky area, what was it like going up to a place like Buffalo? Like, was it a culture shock to you? Like, how different was it from Ohio and Kentucky?
2: Uh, it wasn't bad. I mean, it was just, I mean, it's not me. black people. I saw maybe a couple of black people if you go downtown or to the mall. Uh-huh. So it was really like being out in Cincinnati in some parts or being in Kentucky where you just walk around. Nobody was racist or anything like that. It was just a quiet town. You just say hi, people smile at you, and people going with their day. So it was pretty cool being in Buffalo because there wasn't many distractions. It's not like I got drafted to Miami or somewhere where everybody's going out, there's always these parties, it was just football, you go home, I just drove to my apartment, which is like maybe two minutes from the facility, so every day, I'm, I still got no miles in my cars, because I wasn't going anywhere, so it was pretty nice to just really just sit there and focus.
1: Yeah, that must be nice, and so I was actually looking at your rookie stats, and those are really impressive, so 109 combined tackles, 66 solo, one interception, two deflections and uh, your 109 tackles actually led the Bills defense in 2014. So what were your like overall thoughts kind of, you know, on your rookie season? Like when you reflected on it, when the year, once the year was over.
2: Yeah, it it was fun. Um, Just really getting to learn because I didn't say much to a lot of the guys. I didn't really say much in games because I was a a really big trash talker in college and (laughs) later on in the league, but uh, rookie year I really didn't didn't say much you know I just sat back really observed some of the older players and found out what I liked what they did and what I didn't like and kind of try to base my career off what I was seeing so it was it was really fun because I had no expectations I was drafted in the third round where we have a lot of linebackers who had played and had a lot of success just a lot of people started getting hurt so I got an opportunity to play and then just took it from there so it was really fun Getting Being able to learn from Brandon Spikes, who was a second-round pick. um, Keith Rivers, who was a first-round pick to the Bengals. uh, And then Kiko Alonzo, he was a second-round pick. So it was just so many big names and talent in the room that I got to learn from. So it was just a lot of fun.
1: So you were a trash talker?
2: Oh, yeah. (laughs) It it started, I think, high school basketball is where I really – started to tap in and i oh, one game i didn't talk as much trash in high school basketball was when we played hughes because hughes was ready to fight so i had to I had to chill. <laughs> i didn't want to i didn't want to fight nobody because you know, they kick you out everything and fight in basketball so it was pretty fun though my principal used to tell me every game just relax relax we <laughs> all can hear you and it's like i don't care relax, relax.
1: Uh, honestly when i was probably in high school i was the same way i would i'd be cussing at people and everything. My parents would be like, you know, you got to watch that. You might have somebody here to recruit yeah. you for basketball. I'm like, I don't care. That's all I put right now. So, <laughs> <Exactly. laughs> yeah. So, I'm curious, Uh, who else – like, were there any other, like, big trash talkers that you ever, like, went up against as, as far as playing? I'm sure – I know there's probably a lot of trash talk down there, but who were some of the other guys who really, like, got under your skin or just made guys
2: uncomfortable? Uh, The biggest trash talkers that I play is Steve Smith he was at Baltimore. Oh, okay. Cause I didn't I don't say people like if you legends and stuff like that, I'm not gonna say nothing to you. So right. I didn't say nothing to guys like that. I only mess with people who I felt like I was on the same level, then I'll mess with you. But if you a superstar and we losing, I ain't gonna say nothing. But if we winning then I'll I'll say something, you know, but I wasn't messing with him. But I guess he had I guess I hit him a couple times in the game and then he uh he had uh, – when Deion Sanders was doing that segment, if you if you ball, I call, so he would call everybody who, who had a good game, and he called Steve Smith, and he said something about me, about how I wasn't hitting him hard, something, something – I don't remember exactly what he said. I'm sure my dad would know more, but Steve Smith was saying something after the game. Yeah. But I didn't hear him say nothing during the game, not to that's, me at least. <laughs> that's
1: still kind of that's – that's impressive. That's something you can talk about. I mean, Steve Smith, I mean, that's just – Wow.
2: Yeah, because he's he's a known trash talker, and I was I was getting up there on my trash talk. I was I was pretty bad.
1: <laughs> I still see highlights of, he, of of him trash talking. People roll him on ESPN all the time and stuff. And I'm like, man, this dude's been out the game, and they still roll us highlights for trash talk. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, man, so I would ask you, you know, your career with the Bengals. What did it mean for you to be a kid from Cincinnati? Uh, you go away for a little bit and then come back. Like, what was that feel like for you? Were you happy to come back? Uh, did you feel like maybe you could be a hometown hero? What what did you feel?
2: Uh yeah, it was great. I was excited because I mean Marvin Lewis got there in like oh three, oh four. I mean, back when I was a little kid. So it was like I was playing for my head coach in a sense. You know, it felt like I was coming home to play for the guy I've always seen. And then Andy and AJ and all those guys, they got there right when I was like going to college. So they were still I was still a fan of those guys. So to be able to be in the locker room and to Andy to follow me on Instagram, like all the little stuff like that is a big deal to me because I am still just a Cincinnati kid who can say he got to hang out with those guys, got to be in the trainer room with A.J. Green or got to be over there with this guy with Geno Atkins and Carlos Dunlap. It was it was exciting to be around those guys that I had had watched and admired from, from afar. So to be on the team was something that was I can't replace because it was just exciting to be on there with Coach Lewis because that's the guy I always wanted
1: to play for. It's actually funny you say that because um, when I was at work one time, we rolled a segment um, about AJ Green talking about how all these like younger people are coming up to him now. Like, man, you know, I used to play with you on Madden and this, 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 their teammates with him now. And he was mm-hmm. like, man, it just feels so weird. So you saying that kind of gave me that same feeling of like, you know, you, you watch these guys and then it's like, man, now I'm on the same roster as him. Yeah, that it was, it was great.
2: I mean, I was, I was so excited to, to be around those guys every day. And then, like you said, be, I wanted to be the hometown hero, you know, the first game I go out there, I get an interception everything's great. But what 10 plays later, I roll my ankle and then things are never the same. And that's just how life is, but it was just so fun for that one moment. I felt like the King of Cincinnati, you know, it was, it was just, I I felt it and it felt great to have that feeling.
1: That is amazing. And so the, you did had one, you had one game that I was looking at actually. So your game week two, 2019 season, you had 14 tackles against the San Francisco 49ers. I'm sure, I'm sure you remember this. What, what would? It's almost like you just blacked out this game. Like, what, what was your mindset going into that game?
2: Um, that game, I was just trying to stay on the field because we had yeah. started rotating everybody. It started to just rotate all the linebackers, and I had never done that before. Yeah. So I was trying my best to just have some type of production to show I should stay out here. But I should have had, like, I'm not even playing, at least 25 tackles that game. I was going to say, that's quite the... Like, I was was just, like, it was okay, but the way my mind was, because I was just, mentally, I wasn't there. And it's a good tackle number, but for me, knowing in the game, like, all the stuff that I could have done, how hesitant I was on a lot of stuff, like, I haven't watched it since the week after we watched it with the coaches. I don't want to see it, because... I know I could have had, like, that could have been, like, a 30 tackle game if I really would have just played instead of just focusing about, oh, they about to take me out, oh, I'm about to do this instead of. But I learned a lot from that game because I, I should have just let it go, and I would have had a 30, something crazy. But I was just trying to be perfect and trying to be everything precise.
1: What was your most memorable game playing for the Bengals?
2: Um. Uh- most memorable game probably would be first the Dolphins, I think like week five in 2019. Because I was, I, I had hurt my ankle week one and I was still trying to come back. And it, it felt good that game for the first time in a long time. And that's when I started taking all these pills before the game and all the stuff that you hear the horror stories of football players get into, taking all these pills just to play. And that's where I was. Like I yeah. had to take all that stuff to go out there. And I was feeling good, I was all right playing, and then I just got hit in the same part of my ankle by one of my teammates. And I that was the—I was just laying on the ground, like that was like the first time I ever laid on the ground after getting hurt. Usually I'll hop off or I just don't like laying there. I don't want nobody to stop the TV and go <laughs> to commercial because I got hit, you know? Yeah. I just never felt good doing that, so. It was, it was fun. I mean, it was fun knowing that that game is like, okay, this is where it really hurt, hurt, because I was coming back, and then pow, pow, I just got hit by my own player. And then that and I, I went back in there, and I got juked. Like, <laughs> one of the worst moves ever, because I'm just out there hopping yeah. with one leg, and then somebody came out, bah, bah, and I just <laughs> look like – I look so bad. It's just – it makes me sad watching how bad I look, because now you feel better. But it's like watching that, it's like, whoa, that's definitely the most memorable game.
1: So they, like, hit the juke stick on Madden, kind of? Yeah, it was yeah. like he threw, a, he
2: threw a check down. It was me and him. I was like, it was easy. He just did some uh, little bop-bop. And bop. I yeah. was like, oh. oh. <laughs> I just had no no coordination after
1: that. Man. And and so, you know, looking at the Bengals now, um, with the roster they have, I mean, they seem like they're accumulating some good talent. Do you see them turning this thing around in the next couple of years? Or, I mean, even this upcoming year with, you know, Joe coming back, do you see them – you know, kind of being somebody that's going to compete over the next couple of years.
2: Uh, I'm not sure. They got a lot of good quarterbacks in their division right now. Yeah, but I think once Big Ben leaves, I think it's going to be open for that whole division. I mean, because they got a lot of good young quarterbacks with the Burrow and Lamar and Baker. So once Big Ben and everybody's not scared of Steelers no more, I think that division every year it might be a, it might be, just, it might be somebody new every year, and that's why. With Cincinnati, if they were in like the AFC South or somewhere where it was Jacksonville and Indy, they would be more competitive, I feel. But in that division now where you have young quarterbacks and they're all going to be good at the same time, it's going to be tough for them to get 10, 11 wins out of those divisions. It's going to be a lot of eight, eight nine and seven. Well, the extra game now, but it's going to be a lot of average years, I think, for now. But I think they got a lot of talent that could push through. You just never know.
1: I actually made the pick probably yeah, a few weeks ago. I said, I think the Bengals are going to finish ahead of the Steelers this year. I think the Steelers are going to be last in the division. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. Like I said, I think their offensive talent they have. And the Steelers, I mean, with them losing a couple people, I mean, I'm, I just wasn't really sold on them this year. But uh, when the Bengals aren't playing the Browns, I'm going for them. So, yeah, <laughs> I grew up in a Browns household. But, yeah, okay. yeah, but absolutely. And so, you know, real quick for you, the last thing I have uh your foundation, the Preston Brown Foundation, you know, kind of talk about that, what you guys do and uh how you kind of got that started.
2: Uh yeah, it started back in Buffalo. I'm not sure what year it might have been 15 or 16, where it was just about getting out of the community and trying to help kids reach whatever dream that was, because there's so many. Every time you go give a speech to kids and stuff, it don't have to be just football. You know, it's like, I want to help these kids reach their dream no matter what it is. So just being out to let them talk and hear their dreams and their goals was basically the biggest process. But now we're focusing on mental wellness and how to make these kids smile every day because there's so many stressors and triggers and things that they go in throughout the day that they just don't know why it's happening because no one talks to them about it they don't know why they have social anxiety or why they have this about this but there's something that is triggering that emotion in these kids and that's why we just talk and learn on how they're developing or what they need each day because sometimes they just need a text message or somebody wants to play on call of duty or whatever it is just make kids day because there's so many different personalities and different kids out here in the world that I'm just trying to go out there and affect all of them so we're doing a lot of speeches we do we pass out food for the kids I had four or five camps in Cincinnati uh free football camps for the kids so we're trying to see uh we haven't done one in a while because of the, the vaccine and corona and everything going on but hopefully we can get back out there and have some more events Bigger events with the foundation. Luckily, it's hopefully in Cincinnati, and we partnered up with some schools down in Georgia. So we've been doing a lot of things just trying to help help, help kids with their mental wellness, no matter where they are.
1: So it's much bigger than football for you, which is really impressive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, really
2: impressive. definitely. Because I I used, I used to hate just talking about oh I had this many tackles I did this, but what made me sad that day after this game, or what made me happy that day, you know, and that's what we really started to talk about and really get into the emotions instead of just accomplishments. Yeah, absolutely.
1: Absolutely. And, you know, last, last question for you real quick, what would be any advice you would have for, you know, kids who, you know, are aspiring to play in the NFL or, you know, just want to, you know, take their game to that next level. What would be your advice to them?
2: Uh, My advice has always been the same really is just do, do something extra, do some extra work if that's what you really want to do. If you, want to go division one and you have a 2.5 get it up to a 3.0 because that looks better to colleges everybody can get a 2.5 but if you not as fast as the 4-2 guy he's going to get that spot because they do those type of exceptions for those type of people so i feel like everybody goes to practice with their team but not everybody runs sprints afterwards not everyone is going to study hall afterwards to get their grades up and That's where I think we need to talk more about doing the extra things because everybody goes to school, everybody is in their class. But what are you doing after? Are you talking to the teacher after class? Are you talking to your coach about what you need help? Are you just going home complaining about everything? You need to find out what the issue is and focus on it and then try to get better. And that's where the foundation comes in of finding out those things because sometimes they don't feel comfortable talking to teachers, talking to principals, talking to parents. Mm So if they tell me, I can find a way to help anywhere I can
1: right yeah it's always about taking that extra step definitely important definitely definitely well Preston I thank you for your time man like I said um our, our parents have known each other forever and I'm finally glad I got a chance to connect with you get to meet you and everything else so uh it's definitely been awesome it was definitely great talking to
2: you thanks hey, it was great talking to you too
1: yes sir you too and so I'll talk to you later and I'll see you guys next time on the blaze
0: cast